Okay, in the, uh, in the last chapter, we saw uh, Job completely dismantle Bildad's religious advice. Um, Bildad's counsel, uh, not only was it completely unhelpful uh, to Job in the midst of his suffering, but it completely misrepresented God as a God of um, everybody gets what they deserve. And we saw that if that was the case, then none of us would get anything good. Um, so now that Job's repudiated Bildad um, and, and spoke to him, he turns his attention back to God and he continues to make his case before the Almighty. In, in this chapter, Job is basically going to ask God why he is being so unfair to Job. And, and once again, we see the, um, the utter suffering of, of Job manifested in his questioning of God, you know, we know that that questioning God in any circumstances is the opposite of faith, and Job's questions they they represent a fundamental part of of our human condition. So it doesn't mean that it's okay to question God, you know, as we read what you know Job is going to say. Um, but God is often big enough to take our questions in the midst of uh, the suffering that we go through. Um, even if we refuse to give words to our question, I think it's safe to say that, that everyone who goes through times of intense suffering feels these deep questions in the, down in the pit of their soul. It's, um, it's in our nature to do everything we can to try and, and understand why something happens. Uh, the problem is that the why is almost never given to us by God when something goes on. And, and even when it is given to us, it rarely makes the pain of our suffering any less. It, uh, we still suffer even though we do know why when we're able to uh, discern that. Uh, sometimes we try to tell ourselves that if, you know, if we just knew the reason for our pain and anguish, that, we'd be, it, that all this would be more bearable. Uh, but unfortunately, that's never the case. Um, on those rare occasions when when we are shown the reason for our suffering, it never it never diminishes the pain. Um, but we still seek to know the answers to our questions. In this chapter, uh, Job asks the same four questions that we all ask. He wants to know why God is against him. He wants to know why God is unfairly singling him out, and he wants to know why God created him just to suffer and finally he wants to know why god doesn't just kill him so let's start with job's first question and we'll see how they all relate to us in verse one it starts with job hating his life he says uh, my soul is weary of my life i will leave my complaint upon myself i will speak in the bitterness of my soul um before we're too hard on job because of the questions he's bringing to the sovereign God, uh, we got to remember the pain and the anguish that he's going through. He's he's under extreme torment and suffering. God has allowed the worst possible circumstances uh, to invade in Job's life, and and we have already seen that Job is all but hopeless regarding you know ever being delivered from the suffering that he's going through. He is experiencing nothing but anguish. Now, can you imagine what it must be like to never have a moment's rest? Um, it's easy to understand the depths of great suffering when we have all gone through it, you know, at one time or another, but, but Job's suffering, it, it's in a whole different class. Um, 
there isn't a single second that ticks by on the clock when Job is not experiencing the torment and the pain of his life. Um, you know, he not to mention the loss of everything that he's lost, but now he's dealing with these sores and rashes that keep on hardening and then breaking out again on his skin. And it's just, there's never a moment's peace. And because of this, he can't help but speak in the bitterness of his soul. Um, I mean, it seems like for Job, that's really all he has left is bitterness. That's all that's left in his heart. Verse 2 says, I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Here Job asked the age-old question, which, you know, we all come to eventually. He asked, why are you doing this to me? Why are you contending with me? Most of us, most of us have no right to ask that question. To be honest, we can all think about our, our own lives and find ample reason God has for sending punishment and discipline. But Job is different. Out of God's own mouth, he said Job is blameless and righteous before him. As far as as Job is concerned, the sin that he committed is covered by the blood of the sacrifices that he offered on a daily basis. Uh, we saw that in the, the first two chapters. Because of this, Job, he just can't understand why God has singled him out and brought judgment. Shouldn't God have accepted the sacrifice that Job offered all the days of his life? I mean, God himself had commanded these sacrifices, and God himself had promised to accept them when they were brought in repentance. Uh, so why now has God decided just to unleash all this wrath on Job? These are the questions he's asking. Of course, you know, we can, we can relate to this as believers because um, all our sins as believers in Christ are covered by the blood of Christ. He's our, he's our ultimate sacrifice that appeases every bit of God's wrath. So when we suffer, you know, we, we might say the same thing that Job says. We wonder, why has God done such a thing to us? Didn't Christ pay for our sins? Why has God decided to unleash His wrath on us now? And in this case, of course, we know the answer. God is not pouring out His wrath on Job. He's not. God is using suffering in Job's life to grow him and conform him into His image. Of course, we as the readers of the book of Job, you know, we're the only ones that know this. Job and his friends don't know it. But it gives, us, it gives us a stark lesson in our own lives. When we go through suffering, um, it isn't proper just to assume that God's pouring out wrath. It isn't proper just to assume that somehow Christ's sacrifice didn't pay for our sin and God's bringing judgment down on us. The Bible tells us plainly that all things are working for the good of those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. So, you know, if this is true, and it is, we should, we should run to God in faith when we experience suffering rather than accusing Him of, of, being, of being unfair. Um, but oftentimes, you know, we, that's the way that our heart works. Uh, when we start to experience suffering, when we start to uh, go through all these things, the first thing we want to know is why. Why is it happening? In verse 3, Job says, Does it seem good to you to oppress, 
to despise the work of your hands. Job's talking about himself being the work of God's hands. He says, are, are, are you happy to oppress me? Are you happy to despise what you created? And it says, and favor the designs of the wicked. Even though it's obvious that Job is wrong in much of what he's saying here, you know, the questions he's asking, you got to remember that Job's calling out to God and bringing his case before God, at the root of Job's heart, he still believes in God. He still, uh, he still knows God holds the answer. He still seeks to be vindicated by God. He doesn't understand everything that's happening, and he's unsure about what God is doing in the midst of all this suffering. But, but deep in it, in the heart of Job's complaint, he still holds his faith in God. He is he's seeking to understand why this has happened, and. You know, instead of instead of just shrugging his shoulders and walking away from God and saying, "Forget you, how could you do this to me?" He's bringing his case before God and he's questioning God. So, while it's you can't say that it's good to question God and and ask why, but in the, in the same vein, you can understand how um, many of many people that go through suffering. You know, I've seen it over and over again. They just you know. They say, you know what, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. You know, forget God, forget you for what you've done to me. But this is not what Job does. Um, those that don't um, have a, a a true faith in Christ just simply walk away when they encounter pain and suffering. Um, the, Jesus told us that in the, in the parable of the, the sower. Uh, many people think that life is just, you know, it's just a bed of roses. And once you come to Christ and... Uh, they're just offended when the reality of this sinful world hits too close to home. <clears throat> so Jesus showed this truth clearly, like I said, when he preached about that, the parable of the sower and the souls, when the, when the word of God goes forth and it lays, it lands on rocky earth or, or thorny ground, uh, those people receive it with gladness, but when they're offended, when they're afflicted, they turn from it. Job is not at this point. He's not turning from God. In fact, he's doing the opposite. He's not, he's not running from God. He's seeking to bring his case before God and find out what's going on. He wants to know why God is fighting against him. Job even goes so far as to ask if God enjoys uh, oppressing his children. Now, we've got to, you know, you've got to admit that at this point uh, Job is getting uh, he's getting a little disrespectful he's getting a little uh, he's getting like a brazen with his questions he's getting a little um, uh, too big for his britches I guess you would say and we're going to see that more and more in the book and, and when God finally comes uh, at the end of the book to address Job he's going he's gonna to chastise him for that uh, but it, but we got to keep in mind that Job's way off base in much of his thinking, you know, about his circumstances. But at the same time, he is holding his faith in God and he's seeking answers from his God. So Job's first question is, why are you against me? Um, as far as Job's concerned, his sin is covered under the sacrifices God commanded him to observe. And all of Job's life has been devoted and obedient to God's commands. He isn't sinless, but you know he's made the provisions that God set in place for his forgiveness. So why all of a sudden, why all of a sudden is God against Job? And why now, after all this time? Uh, the next question Job asks is... is close to the first question he he wants to know why god is unfairly 
examining him. Verse 4 says, Have you eyes of flesh? Do you see as man sees? Are your days as the days of man? Or your years as a man's years that you seek out my iniquity? And you search for my sin. Job feels like God has placed a huge target on his forehead. And he is energetically seeking out his sin. It seems like God is looking at Job the way a man would see Job. Um, it, it, it seems like Job it, it, Job is... It, it almost seems like God's looking at Job the way his friends are. Because of <clears throat> Job's faith <clears throat> excuse me, and the practice of his faith, Job expects God to look at him through the faith and through the sacrifices that characterize Job's life. Uh, but because of all these circumstances, Job is starting to think that God has forgotten all about those sacrifices. It's like God changed his mind all of a sudden in how he's going to deal with Job. Sometimes we feel the same way as Christians. We know that that God deals with us through Christ and he's paid for all our sin. He's purchased our atonement and our forgiveness and it's God's promise that he'll no longer see our sin. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. And he said that uh, he said that he wouldn't, but uh, because of because of what Jesus did, the Father looks at His children and He sees the perfection uh, of Jesus' life and work. But but when suffering and agony comes in our lives, it's just all too easy to forget all that and think that somehow God has gone back on His word. Uh, it's easy to start taking stock of all the times we failed God and and start thinking that God has forgotten about all the that Christ has done and is once again. You know, seeing us in the midst of our sin rather than through Christ. Um, it's painfully easy to do, but it's, it's completely wrong. When we start feeling sorry for ourselves and questioning God about why He's doing these things, and when we start thinking that God is somehow going back on His promise, we're heading down a, a, a very dangerous, dangerous road. In verse 7, Job says, Although you know that I am not guilty... And there is none to deliver out of your hand. This is the end, the final question. Uh, it kind of goes with the previous verses. It says, uh, let me start in verse verse 6. It says, that you seek out my iniquity and search for my sin, although you know that I'm not guilty. And there's none to deliver out of, out of your hand. Job culminates this line in, uh, of questioning. With a very strange statement, he's he's sure that he's innocent, and he's sure that he's not among the wicked. Um, he can say this, of course, once again, not because he's sinless, but because he knows that he's kept the statutes and commands God gave for them to sacrifice and be forgiven. Uh, but here, he continues the line of thinking that God has somehow gone back on His word. He knows. He knows. Job is saying, "You know that I'm not guilty," but. You've brought the full force of your judgment on me, and because you know you're all powerful, there's no one that can possibly deliver me from your hand. You know, only only God can deliver mankind. God made a way for man's deliverance in the Old Testament. God commanded sacrifices, which pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ, and these were meant to cover the sins of the people until the Messiah would come and and deliver them completely. But Job is asking, "Why are you against me?" Uh, when you know that I'm not guilty, why are you actively seeking my destruction? When you know that that uh, I've done what you've asked, I've done what you've required. 
Um, that's the second question. The next thing that passes through Job's mind is the question, why did you create me if you were just going to pour all this suffering out on me? Wouldn't it have been better if you just never never created me at all? In verse 8 it says, Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. It says, verse 9, Remember that you have made me like clay, and will you return me to dust? Um, first, w- before we go on, uh, we see that Job's not under any delusions that the modern man finds himself. He doesn't even give a thought to the fact that, that God was absent somehow when Job's suffering happened. Uh, he understands completely that it was God who created him, and he understands that God is the one who's allowed him to be destroyed by this calamity, uh, by this suffering. Job is is technically correct about God being the sovereign who has allowed all Job's suffering to take place, uh, but he's badly mistaken about God's motivations and the why question. Um, all he can see is that God must be taking pleasure in all Job's suffering. He can't understand that there's such a thing as redemptive suffering. And he, he surely can't see how any of this can be working for his good. Um, basically, Job is quickly descending into a pit of self-pity and questioning God's purposes. Um, it's very common for people enduring intense suffering because we don't have the whole picture. It's easier for us just to question God's motivation and wallow in our our own self-pity than to trust that God knows what he's doing. Um, but here I, I want to make sure that we understand that, that I'm not talking about turning all these emotions off like a light switch. Um, yeah, I'm not talking about uh, saying that when you start to feel like this immediately it's sin, they, that these emotions come and you can't help it. It's part of being human. It's part of our fallen human nature. But the one thing we can do is fight. We can fight against Him. We can fight to trust in God. We can believe His Word over our own thoughts and feelings. Uh, We can fight to trust that God is working for our good because He said so. Even if everything we see and experience tells us differently, God's Word says that He's working for our good and all our sin is covered by the death and resurrection of Christ. Make no mistake, it is a fight. Um... We shouldn't be too hard on Job, even though we know that he's veering way off course in his thoughts here. Faith in the midst of sorrow is, it's a battle. And it's one that, uh, that's one that you, you have to fight down in the trenches. Um, in verse 10 he says, he says, did, did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. Job is well aware that God created him, clothed him uh, with skin. You know, God even gave his steadfast love, and God's care um, has preserved Job's spirit. Uh, these are, are true things that Job has experienced from the hand of God. But in the very next breath, Job's going to charge God with malice hidden in his heart. Uh, the whole time he was showering these blessings on Job. Um, in, in verse 13 and 14 it says, Yet these things you hid in your heart. I know that this was your purpose. If I sin, you watch me and do not acquit me of my iniquity. 
Um, he's saying that even when God was raining blessings down on Job in his life, even when God promised Job goodness and mercy, if he would you know, repentantly sacrifice to the Lord and trust God, uh, even while that was going on, God held in his heart that one day he would unleash wrath upon Job. Now, of course we know that, that this just isn't true. Uh, but it shows the outlook that Job is quickly coming to. His his only thoughts are about how God knew all along that this was going to happen. And of course God did, but it's not judgment falling on Job. Uh, he, he starts to picture God here as, a vin, as vindictive and scheming. The whole time God made promises to Job through, through uh, sacrifice and he blessed Job throughout his life. But the whole time, Job thinks that God was planning and scheming to destroy him. Uh, Job has some serious issues. He is he's, uh, having serious questions about God's character. Uh, would God do this to one of his children? You know, because, because we're steeped in God's word and we know that he never goes back on his word. We can uh, say for certain that Job's mistaken, but... Uh, take a moment and put yourself in his position. I mean, how easy would it be for you to hold on to the fact that God's working for your good in the in the destruction of your livelihood, uh, the death of your entire family, the obliteration of your health? I mean, could you hold on to the fact that God's working for your good? Verse, verse 14 is one of the most blatant accusations Job has thrown out so far. He says that if he sins, God watches him. And will not acquit him of his iniquity. We know that God doesn't acquit the guilty. But God has given a path by which sins can be forgiven. He's commanded a sacrifice be made to cover sin and and point toward the perfect sacrifice of Christ, which would finally do away with sin. Um, But if Job's right here, then God has taken back his word and is refusing the sacrifices that he himself commanded to be made for the covering of his sin. Do you see how he's basically accusing God of lying? If uh, if he will not acquit him based on those sacrifices, he's gone back on his word. Job feels like God's taking advantage of him. He's taking advantage of, God, of Job's sin to pronounce guilt on him and pour out all his judgment. Job is quickly spiraling down into despair. His his main complaint is that he has no way of escape. There's nothing that can be done and it seems more and more like there isn't any hope. Even if Job's innocent and, and he knows that he is and he believes that he is. Um, he's, he's still disgraced. Um, if I am guilty he says in verse 15, woe to me. If I'm in the right I can't lift up my head for I'm filled with disgrace and look on my affliction. Um, he rightly understands that that you know guilt will rightly bring condemnation, and then he and then he deserves what's happening. But he says that even if he's innocent, he still can't lift up his head. Uh, so he's coming to a very dark place. He's he's coming to a place of despair and hopelessness that uh, that many don't return from. Um, there isn't any hope from his disgrace, even even if he's innocent. Um, this is really getting serious in Job's mind. He is asserting that God would condemn him even if he was in the right. He can't think of anything that has brought on this intense wrath and judgment from God. So all he can think 
is that God is somehow untrustworthy to have allowed all this to come upon him when Job had been nothing but faithful. Verse 16, he says, And were my head lifted up, he said, Even if I could lift up my head, he tells God, You would hunt me like a lion and again work wonders against me. He said, Even if I could lift up my head, you would push me right back down. You renew your witness against me and increase your vexation toward me. You bring fresh troops against me. Now, notice what Job says here. Even if Job was vindicated, even if his head was lifted up, and God would still hunt him down and punish him. Job's view of God is becoming darker and darker. He believes God would bring fresh warriors against him if he were happened to be cleared of the present suffering that he was going through. Uh, Job simply can't understand why God would do this. He, he can't understand why God would go back on his word. Uh, now, of course, we know that God hasn't gone back on his word. We know that God is completely trustworthy and that he's not poured his wrath out on Job. We know that Job is suffering because of the testing of Satan and because God has a redemptive purpose uh, to fulfill in Job's life. So Job is completely wrong about God's motivations and his heart. God still has Job's well-being in mind, um, and, and God has still honored Job's faith and his sacrifices. God himself said that Job was pure and blameless in his sight. So while Job's ideas about God are being affected by his circumstances, Job's circumstances have not changed God's view of Job. Does that make sense? Let me try that again. Uh, while Job's ideas about God are changing because of what he's going through, um, God's view of Job through his faith and sacrifice has not changed because of what Job is going through. Um, and this ought to be very, very instructive for us. No matter what we go through, nothing can change how God sees us through the sacrifice of Christ. We may feel like everything's coming against us. We may feel like God himself is abandoning us, but, but our own thoughts, they deceive us. We can choose, like Job, to believe what our own sinful hearts and minds tell us, or we can choose to trust what God himself has said. Job has not been forsaken. Job has not been turned, uh, God has not turned on Job, who promised forgiveness through faith and sacrifice. But Job can't help but be tossed around as all these feelings are coming to the surface. Uh, in the last part of this chapter, Job finally just asks God, why won't you just kill me? Job is, is to the point that he, he doesn't understand what God's doing, and, and he'd rather just die than continue uh, through all this suffering. He, he's come to believe that God is actually enjoying punishing him, and his thoughts of God are so misguided by grief and pain that, that he actually thinks God is keeping him from death in order to prolong his punishment. Uh, first, Job cries out, regretting the day he was born. He says, why did you bring me out from the womb? Uh, would that I had died before an eye had seen me, and were as though I had not been carried from the womb to the grave. His, his thinking's clear. He, he wants to know why God even allowed him to live if all he was going to do was unleash unbearable suffering upon him. Wouldn't it have been better just to die at birth? Wouldn't it have been better if God had just simply poured out his wrath from the moment Job left the womb? Um, 
Why in the world would God let Job see good days and good things? Why, why would God give Job the hope of offering sacrifice and being devoted to him? Why would God bless Job for the majority of his life only to turn on him in the end and unleash hell upon him? Uh, Job just, he, he just can't wrap his mind around these things. Why has God done this all of a sudden? And so, Job's last ditch effort is simply just to plead with God to let him enjoy the short time he has left. Remember that Job is, you know, he's completely hopeless and doesn't ever expect to to be brought out of the suffering he's experiencing. He has, you know, he has no hope for the future. So the only thing he can hope in is that God would ease his suffering before the trials kill him. Uh, Job's anguish here is, man, it's almost palatable. It, it, it seems that, that he's pleading that God would just simply let him alone so he can have some semblance of rest uh, in the few days that he has left. He says, are, are not my days few? He says, then cease and leave me alone that I may find a little cheer before I go. And I shall not return to the land of, of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order where light is as thick darkness. Um, Job is hes quickly approaching the bottom of the barrel. He is sinking about as low as you can possibly be. But even in the deepest despair, and even though he is questioning God's purpose, and to some extent he's questioning God's faithfulness to his promises, um, he's still crying out for God, to God for peace and, and for relief from his suffering. Uh, I know many people that just walked away from God for far less. Uh, in fact, there there are people who have forsaken God completely and cursed His name simply because you know they didn't get the job they wanted or they didn't get the financial blessing they expected. But but here, Job is not expecting something good. Job has been through something tragically awful. All he wants is a little rest. All he wants is a little peace from the pain and the torment of life. Um, he's not walked away from God, but he does have serious questions uh, that he's seeking answers to. And so this is its something that we deal with. When suffering comes, we question God's promises. Um, and because God hasn't fulfilled what he said in the way that we think he should fulfill it, uh, we immediately cry foul and accuse God of, of deceit, even if you don't verbalize it the way Job is doing. Um, you have that feeling down in, in your heart. Um, but the reality we know is that God is fulfilling the promises he made to Job. He just isn't doing it in the way Job expects or desires. Uh, the heart of faith seeks after God and keeps knocking on the door of God, even when it seems like God isn't answering. Although, you know, there, there are many things in this section that, that we could bring fault against Job for. Uh, there's one thing that he's doing right. Um, he isn't just arguing with his friends. You know, after each speech where he responds to these counselors who've come uh, to try to comfort him, um, he, he brings his case to God and is seeking answers from God himself. Um, we'll see that God will eventually respond and, and, and chastise Job for the, the way Job is questioning him. But, 
But Job has not gone through so much yet that he turns his back in hatred against God and walks away. Um, in the next chapter, we're going to um, going to hear from Job's third friend, Zophar. And uh, he's going to give Job some more bad advice uh, in, in the midst of, uh, of Job's suffering. And uh, it's going to seem like you know, we're going to continue going through this, this circle of, of trying to understand suffering.